Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Well, I'm going to get right into the Word. Amen. I want us to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, a very familiar story. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around because the Lord told me one thing. The Lord said to me for this year, this year he gave me one word for me to share with you. And that word is undeterred. Well, you know, since Bishop is already set free, uh, you can can rest assured. (laughs) That is gonna, <laughs> you're already free. So, okay, don't worry. Don't worry about me now. He's already set free. Undeterred means persevering despite setbacks. And so, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. No, I'm gonna tell you the story and we're gonna pick up from the scriptures from this point. Elisha went to Shunem and there was a woman who recognized that he was a man from God. So, she fed him dinner. And she said to her husband, we got we to gotta do more. So they built a room with a chair, a lamp, and a table. So every time he comes over, there's a place for him to stay. It's a picture of needing the presence of God in your house every day. And so as a reward, he asked her, what can I do for you? Should I ask for favor from the king and from the government, and she said, oh, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, how many locals over here? Uh, well, how many guys from Hawaii? Local uh, uh, Alaskans. So how many, uh, i gotta, I got to remember, I'm in Alaska, or local Alaskans. But how many guys from Hawaii? I'm, not, I'm seeing more and more. Come on, give me the Polynesian yell. You know, anytime you ask one Hawaiian local, hey, how you doing, bro? Oh, I good, I good. And they're not good. And the more they say good, the more they're not good. Oh, bro, I good, good, I good, I good, I good, I good, good, good. So this, this woman said, I'm good. And she wasn't good. Right? Hey, how many, get Samoans over here? I thought I saw some Samoans. <laughs> Any Tahitians? Yorana. No, no Tahitians yet? You know, Pastor Daniel, God is sending the, the nations to Alaska. And God is not forgetting the native Alaskans. There's going to be a mighty revival in in the villages. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God's going to send people from Kings, Alaska to the villages. And God is going to use you. There's going to be like a river tour. A river tour revival. Hitting the villages. God is not forgetting the native Alaskans. There's going to be redemption in the land. And at the same time, God is sending the nations to Alaska. Why do we have that big, big building? Well, anyway, he asked, uh, he asked the, the, the woman, man, I want to reward you. What can, I, what can I get you? She said, I'm good. I'm good. No need. No need, prophet. And Gehazi said, but prophet, she has no son. And then he said to her, one year from today, you're going to hold in your arms your son. And she said, maybe some of you guys said this at a prophetic conference in your call-out room. Prophet, don't mess with me. Don't mess. That's too much for handle. Don't mess with me. And she said that. 
And one year from that day, she had a son. And so that son grew up, and in the field, he got sick, and he died. So the woman, the mother, grabbed her son, laid, it, laid him on the bed in the prophet's room. And can we pick up from what happened there? Let's go with uh, let's go with verse eighteen of Second Kings four. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. Verse eighteen, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to to the reapers, and he said to my to his father, my my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Verse twenty, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God shut the door upon him and went out then she called to her husband and said please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back she was undeterred what do you do when you're disappointed what do you do when the promise that God gave you looks like it's gone so she said, why are you going? So he said, the husband said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said to him, it is well. Prophet Fang, I'm going to do the same thing you did this morning. It is well. And she ran off. She was undeterred. Now, I, I, I'm not saying don't communicate with your spouse. But in this particular instance... She had no time for earthly talk. She said, honey, I'll be back. Just let me go. I got, I, I got something to do. I'm pursuing something. And, and she sat on the donkey and said to her servant, drive, go forward. Do not slacken the pace for, for me unless I tell you. And, she, and, and so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Now here's the prophet that did not have the word of the Lord at the time. You know, sometimes we don't have the word of the Lord. Sometimes we, uh, things come and we don't know that's going to come. And you say, where's the prophet? Where's the, why, why didn't the prophet know about this? You know, we prophesy in part and we know in part. And she answered. Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And that's all that the prophet needed to, to hear. And he said to Gehazi, get, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand. Be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. Let's go down to verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. Went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them. Prayed to the Lord. And he laid, he lay on the child and put his mouth on, the, on, on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. 
and he stretched himself on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. That's a whole nother sermon. And the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and she picked up her son and then she went out again. She went out two times in desperation the first time and in jubilee the next time. I'm sure she was happy. You know, God responds to undeterred pursuit. There's, there's places in the scripture where Jesus stopped on his tracks because people were undeterred. The, the, the woman with the issue of blood didn't let her condition stop her from going after Jesus when Jesus was passing by. There was a crowd. And, and, and of course, the woman with the issue of blood, she was like a society outcast because blood defiles. Defiles the priest, defiles people who don't touch blood according to the law, Leviticus law. But she went anyway. She was undeterred. She was unstoppable. And, and although there was a crowd around Jesus, touching Jesus, he stopped only when the woman touched the, the hem of his garment. And then he stopped. I tell you, undeterred pursuit, passionate pursuit gets the attention from God. Blind Bartimaeus, or should I say the formerly blind Bartimaeus, cried out to God, when, uh, cried out to Jesus when he was on his way to Jericho. Now, Jesus loves every blind person on his way in. He wasn't particularly uh, 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 favoritizing Bartimaeus. But God is attracted to undeterred pursuit. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to shut him up. And you know what he did? He shouted out even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? He stopped. And he said, bring him to me. Undeterred pursuit. Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector, enemy of the people, knew Jesus was passing by and he wanted to see Jesus. But he was short in stature. So, so he climbed up the tree. And when he climbed up the tree, there was a crowd of people. But he only saw Zacchaeus because he was so undeterred. So he was so passionate in his pursuit, he climbed a tree. He was a, 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 a man of, of importance. He was a tax collector and climbing up a tree is, is not what they do. They wanted to keep their composure because they're, they're people of authority. But he climbed up the tree and Jesus saw him above all the crowd and said, I got to come to your house. I tell you, in this place, right here, Wednesday night before the conference started, it was rehearsal. But it wasn't rehearsal. There was a cloud of glory so thick in the worship. It's like walking, I don't know, it's like walking into a web of honey, just dripping. I don't know how else to describe it. It was rehearsal. And to, in this house is a place where God is going to expand and enlarge so that people can come and pursue the presence of God. And like the woman who built a room for the prophet, God is expanding his place of, uh, of his presence. Why do you think we have a huge building? 
God is expanding a place where his presence can inhabit. God inhabits the praises of his people. On Thursday, we went to visit the, the building. It's huge. I was, I was impressed. I saw it uh, last year. I thought we were going to have the, the conference in there this year. But hey, it's, we're going to have it next year in there. Came out of the car. And I was awed. Wow, the size. And then Pastor Daniel, I saw, I saw, an, I saw a uh, porta potty. A porta potty with snow covering. And I got, oh my goodness, I got flashbacks. I, you know, I think I need a little bit of healing from that. There's still residue of stuff. I don't know. It affected me. So anyway, you have a huge building. <laughs> Number one. Make room for His presence. Enlarge your capacity. Go for God. What I believe God is saying to us is just make room for my presence. We got to make room for His presence. We got to be relentless. We got to be undeterred. We got to... The, the woman said a meal is not enough. Build him a house. Build him a room. We got to have him stay longer than a meal. And, and the Lord is saying, church, I want to visit you, but I want to stay. There's a difference between a visitation and a habitation. I think Pastor Bruno talked about that. I, I think Pastor Joshua talked about that as far as praise is concerned. It, God wants to habitate. That means he wants to bring his suitcase, move in. And when God habitates a place, nothing stays the same. If you're sick, you're going to be healed. If you're bound, you're going to be set free. And that's why God says, I want to come and visit. Will you build me a place? But it doesn't happen without shifting. You don't build a, pla uh, you don't build a place for his presence without shifting, without change. Let me tell you, can I tell you, without commitment. You don't, you don't just decide when you feel like coming to worship the Lord and pursuing Him. It has to be a commitment. You know, we have to be serving. Like Pastor Laulu. He had to scrub. He's a, he's a well-known, respected Samoan pastor of the Assemblies of God. He had a toilet brush in his hands. And he said, if I forget how to serve, Brother Robert, I don't deserve to be a pastor. You, you, we don't build a presence without giving. Do you know that giving is worship? We know that. We all know that. We don't, we don't, we don't build a presence for Him without sacrifice. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take time. We don't build a, a place for His presence without yearning for more. But, but I'm already full when we got to empty ourselves. You see, the oil stopped pouring when the vessels were full. And when you serve, when you sacrifice, when we give, when we come uh, and, and, and commit ourselves, we are, we are releasing the oil that he, he poured into us so that he, we can get filled with more. Amen? We don't get filled just to get filled. We get filled to spill out so that we can get filled with more. We, uh, people always say, hey, I want to stand under the spout where the glory comes out. Well, the glory is going to stop if we're not spilling out. We need to build. We build a capacity for His presence by being part of a local church like this. And, 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 and our gifts and our purposes are being fulfilled. 
and, and, and finding a place to serve, finding a place to give yourself. God is calling us to empty ourselves so that He can fill us. God is looking for a place to dwell. So make room. Everybody say make room. You know, unconfessed sin, undealt with sin, takes up too much space. Unforgiveness takes up a lot of space. God needs room. His presence needs room. Unhealed trauma and hurts takes up space. Shame, the result of unhealed trauma and hurts, takes up way too much space. God's going to heal us so that He can fill us, so His presence can stay and, it, and, and we can enlarge. God is going to fill. I, I tell you, why is this conference full of such anointed worship and anointed praise? Now, I've, the last time I was here a year ago, Pastor Daniel, this is different. This, this conference is different. Something is going on. Something is going on that we cannot take for granted. Something is going on that we just cannot say, oh man, that was good worship. Something is going on where God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something, church. I'm going to expand and grow you and this is where I want to start. Self-absorption takes up a lot of space. And so this woman made room for the presence of God which the prophet represented. And then she got a promise which was impossible. She was barren. And, and, and the, the woman felt she had all that she needed. Can I tell you what good enough or just enough ain't good enough? People tell me, oh pastor, you know I'm good, I'm good. And then they say, I'm good, 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 good. That means you're really not good again. So, because if you just have enough... If you have just enough, you serve yourself. You serve your, your circle. But if you are overflowing, abundant, you serve the world. You serve the community. You serve beyond the church walls. So it's not greedy. Some people think it's greedy to want more. It's not greedy. It's selfish to want just enough. That's why we give so that we can have more. Pastor Josh shared it. When you're generous, God wants to give you more. Because more is not selfish. More is generous. So she thought that she had what she needed. But God said, no, no. I don't live in a realm of just enough. I'm an overflowing God. I, I'm the one that opens up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot, you got to give it away. You cannot contain it all. So somebody else had to tell the prophet that she needed a son. You know, her husband, if he would pass away before she did, if they did not have a son, she would lose everything. The son would be the one to care for the mother when, if the father passes away. That's why Jesus, when he was on the cross, and the, and the disciple whom he loved was, while well, all the other disciples ran away, and Jesus' mother was there, Jesus on the cross, in his pain, in his agony, said to his mom, Mother, this is your son, pointing to John. John. And to, pointing to John, this is your mother. And the Bible says from that point on, John took care of Mary. And so she overlooked that. I got enough. Church, God wants to bring you to a place of abundance. God really wants to, and, and this is not, you know what, it might be prosperity teaching because I ain't, I ain't preaching poverty. God wants you more than you wants more for you than you realize. And verse 16 says, No, my Lord, man of God, 
Don't tell me something that ain't going to happen. Don't, don't tell me. Don't mess with me. And one year later, she, she had exactly as the prophet prophesied. You know, we pray. And sometimes our prayer and our faith in that prayer is based on what we see in the natural. We limit, we limit the answer. We limit what God can do, but we pray for the highest thing. But our faith is not where our prayer was. We, we limit it just by our, natu- our inclination to the natural. Remember when the disciples were praying for, uh, for Peter? Acts chapter 12. They, they, they uh, killed uh, one of the d- uh, disciples. Is it James or something? One of them. And, and then Peter was in, in prison. He was bound to be next. And so the disciples were in, in the room praying. They were in the house. They were praying, praying that, that Peter would get set free. God answered the prayer by sending an angel. Angel slapped Peter. Get up. Chains came off and he supernaturally walked, blinded the eyes of the guards. And he walked all the way to the house where the disciples were. And then he knocked on the door. And Rhoda went to the door. Uh, who is it? Oh, hey, it's Peter. It's me. It's me. So she ran to the disciples. And she said, it's Peter. You guys, you're, you can stop praying now. He's at the door. You know what they said? Oh, no, no. That's just, that cannot be him. That can't be him. When we pray a supernatural, impossible prayer, we have to bring our faith level beyond our natural limitations. God can do what He promised. Sometimes we have to have undeterred, undeterred faith, undeterred pursuit. Don't let God say, oh, God, whatever you want to do, and our faith level is, at, is, is on the basis of the natural. We got to go where God is. When God gives us a promise, and that promise is usually... I would say all the time, instead of usually, connected to your purpose. And many times it's too good to be true. David, uh, Prophet David shared a story about the, he couldn't even get into the pro- prophetic uh, uh, school. He couldn't even get, it was too good to be true. Look where it is now. It is tied to your purpose. So what happened when the, when the when we got disappointed? Her purpose, her promise died. What happened? How many of you guys were di- uh, faced discouragement in 2020? Pa- Pastor Daniel, I, I, I got to tell you this. When, when, when I come in this church, it's like, oh my goodness, there's no such thing as COVID. <laughs> what, 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 what? What's everybody else doing? <laughs> like, But you know what, even though, even though you guys are bursting at the seams, some of you guys got disappoint, disappointment and discouragement this, year, this past year, right? 2020. What do you do? What do you do? I mean, I had plans. I had plans for 2020 that didn't, didn't, didn't pan out because of the, because whatever was going on. Whatever you want to call it. Scamdemic? I don't know. I'm not going to go there. He's already free. <laughs> So, so no matter what your situation, no matter what your situation, don't let go. Undeterred. I'm going to tell you how I got the, the title of this message, which is Undeterred. But anyway, she, she didn't let it end with the boy's death. And the boy can represent everything that God promised you. She brought the boy to where the promise began. 
in the prophet's room and laid him there. But here's what she didn't do. She didn't hover around her disappointment. She didn't hover around her, her loss. She didn't dwell on what had happened and start to play a, uh, a movie in her mind. A movie with sequels, part two, part three, and, and starring the devil, starring... Uh, uh, all the villains. No, she left. She went out the door. She went to go where the promise began. She was in hot, undeterred pursuit. And she said, I got to go see the prophet. I got to go see the man of God. If he promised it, the promise is gone. He can give it, he can give it back to me. Where did she go? She went to where the promise came from in the first place. Because God is the only one that can res resurrect, restore, redeem, rebuild, rejoin, return, reverse, refresh, retrieve, re-strengthen. She went for it. Church, we got to go for it. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged being here. We got to go for it. Don't be too quick to discuss your dilemma. Your disappointment. She told her husband, honey, I'll, I'll be right back. It's good. I just got to come back. I cannot talk story. We got to go. I got to go. What is going around the world right now? Right now, even in our own nation, does not cancel the promise. The evil that's going right now is not the final word. We're not living in a world of uncertainty. Everybody heard that word uncertainty? It's mentioned more, more times than I can handle. We don't live in a world of uncertainty. Romans 8, 28. For we know. For we are certain. That all things, not some, not few, not just a certain amount of things, but all things work together for the good, for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. We got to be people that pursue. Sometimes we don't know. We don't, we, sometimes we don't have to know. The prophet said, uh, God hasn't revealed what her problem is. Sometimes we don't have to know. Except God can do it. Except God, God's promises never fail. It's yes and amen. Long story short, she got her son back, okay? I want to cut to the chase here because I got something. Anybody read this book? Uh, this book should be flying off the shelves. It should be going to second and third printing. Alaska is mentioned here, guys. So if you haven't read it, please pick it up. Get it, guys. Somehow get it and read it. But there's a, a section here on Molokai as well. And I love our senior pastor, Dr. Morocco. He has undeterred faith. We're sitting and we will be sitting in the proof, result, the fruit, the harvest of his undeterred faith. When he started the extension on Molokai, it was 1983. Did I get that date right? I think. In the 1900s for you young ones. <laughs> it was the first extension outside of Maui. Dr. Morocco's hands was full. The church was growing. It made Charisma Magazine as the fastest growing church. And God spoke to him and says, if, if the mayor of Maui can be the mayor over three islands, you can pastor three islands. It wasn't in his plans. It wasn't even in his, his, his eyesight. It wasn't in his radar. But it was in the word and plan of God. You know what? We're sitting right here as a result of undeterred faith. So he went to Molokai against some people's approval. 
on page 9, it says, it was a struggle. I gotta, you got to admit, it was a struggle financially and everything. Staff-wise, Dr. Morocco had to fly himself, be the worship leader, be the preacher, and then fly back and continue on Sunday in, in Maui for the evening service. He, there was one time there was no flights and he took a helicopter just to get there, just, to that, not, just so that he wouldn't miss a service. Rented a helicopter. And so one day he was in Oahu, and it's on page 9. During that time of struggle, it says it did not help matters when soon after I began to work on Molokai, a district leader of the denomination I was a part of, which is the Assemblies of God. We're still a part of this. He didn't mention it, but right? Are, are we still Assemblies of God? Okay, but, but that's the denomination. That I was a part of in the islands. I was happened to be eating at a restaurant. I, was, I also was at while visiting Honolulu. This gentleman, he was a district leader of this denomination. He unashamedly confronted me. And there was a reason why he did that. I'm not downing him. And I'm sure doctor was, isn't also. I was 33 years old and he was in his late 60s. So I am sure he felt he could speak his mind. He said, and he quotes in his book. You're crazy. Telling Dr. Morocco, you're crazy. You are wasting your money. You are wasting your time. You will never build a church on Molokai. And he went on to tell me how years before the denomination had tried two times. Sent two, two pastors twice to start a church. And it failed both times. You know what his next sentence says? But I was not deterred. I was not deterred only because I knew God had spoken to me and I was simply obeying. You know, that could have been an easy, a simple, overlooked sentence, except we sit in the result of undeterred faith. I now look back at the ministry on Molokai that has been blessing that island now for 35 plus years, and I rejoice that today, Vibrant Church is meeting in four locations on Molokai. And is leading the island into revival. During the, the you guys, you guys know we we're, we're shut down, right? I, I don't know if you guys did. You guys experience that? The, the, <laughs> other places, it was harder. It was harder. So what had happened was people were not coming to church, and and so we had to go online. Everybody else was online. You guys did a great job. Oh wow, you guys are our example. You guys are, you know, we we uh, aspire to be uh, excellent, and then we worked we worked at it, and then we went online. For the first time, live, did, did our services online, opened the doors, a few people come, the rest of them were watching. So therefore, our services went worldwide, right? I got an email on, on, on our email, our church email, and it says, are you part of that denomination? I'm not going to say it, right? The, de <laughs> the denomination that Dr. Morocco said that he was a part of the at the time. Because I see that you're a Pentecostal church and I watch your service. And so I responded back and I said, yes, we are associated. And she, she wrote back and said, I'm so glad. I'm the daughter of Pastor so-and-so. In 1970, when he retired, he went to Molokai, did Bible studies. And his dream was to start a church on Molokai. And there was another pastor that went. Their dream was to start a church. 
And as I read that, she didn't say the hardship that they were going through. But I could read between the lines. And she felt for her dad who is no longer with, with, with her. He's home with the Lord. That it was probably a traumatic experience. And then she said, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that you have four churches on that island. I'm now in my 70s. I remember visiting my dad in my 20s. And I make, I'll make sure to visit one of your service once travel opens up. And I said to myself, not only if we're undeterred for the presence of God, for the plan of God, do we fulfill the promises that God gave us. You and I get to fulfill the promises of, 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 that went out to people in the past. What a responsibility we have. Every, every missionary that stepped foot here, every native missionary that went to Barrow, that went to, to uh, uh, places up north, even to the slope, every missionary that, that planted seeds of revival, that God wants, to, God wants to bring it up again. Amen. How many of you guys need undeterred faith? How many of you guys want more of the Lord in your life? How many of you guys need to pursue God more? God's promises are yes and amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.